Hey guys, it's Dr. Delvina, board certified psychiatrist in South Florida. Are you ready to take the couch? Hey, hey, hey guys. Good evening. Happy Sunday night. This is Dr. Delvina, psychiatrist in South Florida and the host of this Brain Love podcast, which I've been doing since May 2020 began during the pandemic and every Sunday night I drop a new episode at 8 p.m. and I talk about different topics under the umbrella of mental health and wellness and tonight I had something planned but I had to switch it up I had to switch gears and talk about something that's timely some things that have been in the news Um, as a black person with family uh, from Mississippi both my mom and fathers both sides of my family are from Mississippi And so I know well um, the discussions about racism and slavery and and the trauma in the black community because my mom and dad both have stories for days, man, about, you know, walking on the sidewalk and white kids pushing them off the sidewalk and just so many different stories of all the trauma and the abuse that they experienced growing up in Mississippi. And so tonight I decided to do something that I've engaged this topic previously, but I've admitted to some of you that I I don't like to to talk about it, which is, I know it's probably sounds ridiculous, but it, it really does trigger a lot of emotions inside of me because my family, my gener- generations of my family, we have so much psychological trauma because of racism. I am the descendant of slaves and Um, And so this is, it's a challenge for me to talk about racism in America, and especially when there are hot topics such as the Ahmaud Arbery case. Um, And so, you know, what's in the news right now, it's what's happening with the trial, including the jury only consisting of only one black person, as well as the comments from the defense attorney about not allowing black folks into the courtroom. So I want to talk about those things, and then I'm going to go into racism and its effects on our mental health and wellness. So I think everyone in the whole wide world, everyone knows who Ahmaud Arbery is. May he rest in peace. Three men killed this young brother. They killed him in broad daylight while he was out on a jog in Brunswick, Georgia. He was only 25 years old and unarmed. Three men chased him down and killed him. It was a modern day lynching. This was on February 23rd, 2020. As I said, it was broad daylight. He was was not armed. And so obviously there was national outrage. The three men, Gregory McMichael, Travis, his son, and William Bryan, were arrested eventually for malice, um, as well as um, a couple of other charges, nine charges total, but felony murder, malice, and aggravated assault. And um, they were indicted by a grand jury a few months later. And as I said, they were arrested. And so... We are watching the trial, which has been um, presented for all of us to see, all of the world to see. Um, And the defense attorneys have 
really held true to who they are. This this racism and discrimination and just disgusting behaviors in the courtroom. Now, I want to tell you the jury that was selected recently. It's an all white jury except for one black person, except for one person of color. Everyone else is white. And so what's outrageous is the judge presiding over the case recognized that there seemed to be some racism or discrimination during the process of the jury selection. He recognized this, stated this in court, and still allowed, he still allowed basically things to move on. And so I, I want to share with you what, what the judge, what he said in court. And so these three murderers claim that they were basically defending themselves. They claim self-defense and that there was no premise of racism when they engaged with Ahmad Arbery. They claim that it was a citizen's arrest. And this is a point I want to just take a moment to make to you that racists are cowards. And they're cowards because they don't stand in what they believe. They hate us. They hate people of color. They hate our guts. And they try to do things to us, to terrorize us, to, um, to marginalize us. But yet they don't stand in what they do. And what do I mean by that? They misrepresent. Oftentimes they lie about what they're doing and why they did it. And they try to prove that it was the person of color who did something wrong that resulted in the actions of the racist, okay? And so as I mentioned to you, the jury was selected. <laughs> oh, pardon me, guys. Sorry about that. And the jury is 11 white folks and one person of color. It was a long controversial jury selection. The process was long and arduous. And the judge, Timothy Walmsley, has agreed with the prosecutors that there was intentional discrimination. Those were his words, quote, intentional discrimination, close quote, by the defense in selecting the jury. And so you would think that he would do something different. But no, he allowed the trial to move on. Listen to this man. This court has found that there appears to be intentional uh, discrimination in the past. We start getting into this question about race. And again, uh, quite a few African-American jurors were excused through preemptory strikes exercised by the defense. But that doesn't mean that the court has the, the authority to reseat um, simply, again, because there's this prima facie case. Okay, so that's that. But then to add fuel to the fire, there was a defense attorney representing one of the three white men accused of killing Mr. Arbery. Kevin Goff is his name. And... This guy said in court on the record, he told the judge on Thursday that he did not want additional, quote, high profile members of the African-American community, close quote, in the courtroom. He argued that it would influence the jury who, by the way, 
11 out of 12 jurors are white. And so he goes on to say, quote, obviously there's only so many pastors that they can have. And the fact that their pastors Al Sharpton right now, that's fine. But then that's it. We don't want any more black pastors coming in here or other. Jesse Jackson, whoever was in here earlier this week, sitting with the victim's family, trying to influence a jury in this case. Close quote. This is what he said. Then he said, quote, I think the court can understand my concern about bringing people in who really don't have any ties to this case other than political interests. Close quote. Now, if this ain't just despicable, it made my blood boil. And I'm going to explain to you how we as African-Americans, black Americans, people of color, BIPOC, brown folks, melanated people, how we develop things like hypertension, high blood pressure because of the stress caused by ridiculous ass shit like this. I think I have a clip of what this fool said in court. Okay. I think I found it. Let's see. There's only so many pastors they can have. And if their pastor's Al Sharpton right now, that's fine. But then that's it. We don't want any more black pastors coming in here. Mm. Or other, Jesse Jackson, whoever was in, was in here earlier this week, sitting. Okay, so you see, this is ridiculous. Ridiculous. It's despicable. The fact that this attorney could say that he doesn't want any more black pastors in the courtroom because they could potentially influence the jury, who, again, is pretty much all white. It's 11 white jurors and one black person, one person of color. So you really believe that pastors sitting in the courtroom will influence the jury, huh? Really? So, see, they do these things when I say they racists do these things to cheat the system. They don't stand in their beliefs. They don't stand in hating us and hating people of color. They have to hide, cheat, lie, misrepresent. And that's what they're doing with this this trial. And so I'm I'm telling you, I'm admitting to you that this has been mentally unsettling for me to see what happened with the jury selection and then to have this fool in the courtroom say, these things to say these things about not bringing black pastors into the courtroom because of what he feels what happened when they're there sitting and the jury is looking at them the all-white jury again one black person so I'm like the attorney I'm giving you my evidence and now I want to to jump into this topic of racism, okay? And I want to go over some things that I know I've spoken about previously on other shows. Um, And I also did a special on my YouTube channel called The Purge. Um, I invited other uh, mental health professionals to come on and give their opinions on racism, and also to talk to us about how we can deal with the heavy emotional toll and how racial discrimination and injustice can trigger things like stress. I admitted to you that I felt like my my blood pressure was going to boil because you see what happens is racial discrimination and injustice and just the process, the process, excuse me, of being marginalized causes stress for us, anxiety and or nervousness, depression, sadness, 
and also trauma, trauma, trauma from racism. And you don't have to be the person actually experiencing the the racism or the behaviors from the races. Just seeing horrifying images of police brutality is enough to trigger these things. Seeing the police brutality, the protests that get sparked because of the brutality and the things in the and the, the news headlines, that is enough to cause an effect on our mental health and wellness. So if you're a person of color, if you're BIPOC or of a, another racial minority, because we know recently, yeah, there have been there were some issues with the Asian community as well. But if you're experiencing racism and discrimination, more than likely, it's something that you've experienced on a daily basis, but you overlooked it. Or sometimes you didn't overlook it, but you knew that you could not fight that particular battle at the time it was happening. Listen, I can put both hands up, both feet. I can tell you I have been discriminated against all of my life, dating back as far as I can remember. And I can go back to pre-K. I remember being in pre-K and the white kids. I was the only black kid in class. I grew up um, an army brat, and I was the only black kid in my class. And the white kids didn't want to play with me. Um, we would try to play Dukes of Hazard, and they would always leave me out because there was no black person in the Dukes of Hazard. So, um, you know, as a person of color, you're far more likely to experience negative life events um, that include this racism and things such as that, but other things that are connected to racism, such as incarceration, unemployment, also other negative life events like poverty or abuse. So, um, you know, it doesn't always have to be overt, but it can be subtle forms of racism also that can pervade our lives. So think about it. The security guard who follows you around the store, being stopped by the police, which that has happened to me, you know, once and was really almost turned, it was almost a really bad outcome, but um, God was in control that day. The business that denies you service, the boss who doesn't promote you, you know, and then also just things that happen, like, you know, you get on the elevator, someone gets off. This happened recently. I was with a friend. And um, some white folks didn't want to get on the elevator with us. We both had on masks. I have no idea what that was about. But um, businesses that deny you service, there's all different sorts of examples of racism. There were things that happened to me during my medical school training, but I'm not going to go into it. So there are a lot of instances that people of color and those whose lives have been marginalized by those in power experience life differently. I would say probably 90% of us or 80% at least. Um, 80% of people of color and folks who have been marginalized by people in power, we experience life differently from those who have not been marginalized. Overt racism, bigotry, these things can lead to a mental health burden. And this mental health burden includes things like trauma. Trauma is what leads to other types of mental health disorders. And so you may wonder, like, how could that happen? Why would it be traumatizing? Well, because people of color experience something probably on most days, every day. Even if it's, if it's subtle, it's still included. So I just gave some other examples, but 
being denied a business loan from your bank is an example. Businesses are, excuse me, banks do this. I know this. I know this personally. Um, people who people who avoid us or avoid our neighborhoods because of ignorance and fear. School curriculum that ignores our history, and this history is a shared history that occurred in America. So, um, you know, racism is real, and so I say that, and, and water is wet. You know, this is obvious. There's different types of racism. I'm not going to go into that. But as a mental health professional, I can tell you that there's been racism in mental health services as well. There's a misdiagnosis of schizophrenia. When we look at studies, um, when treating black or African-American clients, clinicians tend to overemphasize the relevance of psychotic symptoms and overlook symptoms of mood, such as depression, such as major depression. They do this more in, in blacks, BIPOC, African-American folks, brown people, melanated people, more than they do folks of other racial or ethnic backgrounds. So it's for this reason that black men have been overdiagnosed with schizophrenia. They're four times more likely to be diagnosed with schizophrenia than their white male counterparts. And they get diagnosed with schizophrenia and underdiagnosed with a mood disorder. So they're not, they as in the majority clinicians are not diagnosing things like depression in our people because they're too busy diagnosing us with schizophrenia. And so this is an example of misdiagnosis, the racism that's in the mental health systems. Now, I want to go over some statistics with you as well, because I want to convince you that this really exists. I just told you, compared with white people, black people are more frequently diagnosed with schizophrenia and less frequently diagnosed with mood disorders. We also know that people who identify as being two or more races are most likely to report a mental illness within the past year. We also know that rates of depression, although they're lower in black people in comparison to, to white folks, it's more likely to be more persistent. And it's more persistent because of these racial traumas that I just talked about. Black adults are 20% more likely to report serious psychological distress than adult whites. And again, it's because of the racial traumas that we, ex we experience and also the subtle racism that we engage on a day-to-day -day basis. And so these disparities exist in the mental health field in black folks and people of color and BIPOC. So let's talk about racism or discrimination based on race or ethnicity. All right. It's a key factor in the onset of several diseases. It's responsible for the increased disparities in physical and mental health. Don't believe that black people have higher rates of heart disease and high blood pressure solely because we don't exercise and we don't eat healthy. That's some bull crap. So a lot of this has to do with racism as well. I just told you on a day-to-day -day basis, we experience subtle racism, most of us. Because of this trauma, we develop stress. We know that stress can elevate blood pressure and also weaken the immune system. So this increases the risk that we'll develop a long-term health condition or a chronic disease. 
racism is associated with high rates of stress, um, the higher blood pressure. We also know that discrimination is linked to basically self-medicating. People don't know how to deal or how to cope with what they're experiencing, and so they may turn to unhealthy ways to try to cope, such as smoking cigarettes, alcohol overuse, drug use, unhealthy eating. Have you heard someone say that they eat to make themselves feel better? Now, there was a very important 2019 study that found that racist experiences increase inflammation in our people and African-American people. And so if you have more inflammation, it can increase the risk of you developing a chronic condition like heart disease, but also kidney disease. And so, you know, I, I know people talk about kidney disease in black folks, and I've heard people say it's a conspiracy, and they're trying to get black people on dialysis and things like that. No, there are people, black people, people of color, who actually have chronic kidney disease. And some of this disease is because of the inflammation that comes from racism. Racism does all of these things. It also causes changes in our sleep habits, changes in our physiological functioning. And so we need to be aware of these things so that we can acknowledge and create a plan and work on ourselves. Now, you may be asking, okay, what does it do to us mentally? Racism mentally wreaks, can wreak havoc. People of color, BIPOC folks who reported experiences of racism also reported other things like suicidal thinking, post-traumatic stress disorder, symptoms of PTSD, of post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety or nervousness, emotional distress, stress, also sadness, depression, and there are several different types of depression. So we have to find a way to teach our children, to teach our uh, brothers and sisters, our family members. We have to share with them our own experiences and also help them manage their experiences. We can do this. You know, you can do this without involving a professional mental health person. Um, it's when things worsen that you have to bring in a profess a professional. So we have to try to live healthy while we're dealing with day-to-day -day life. We got to do our best to live healthy. We have to do things like not smoke cigarettes. If you smoke cigarettes, stop smoking. It's unhealthy for you. If you're vaping nicotine, stop vaping. It's unhealthy for you. If you're overusing alcohol, drinking every day, if you find that you can't go days without drinking alcohol, that's a sign that you really need a, some professional help, a professional intervention to help you back away from the alcohol. Improve your diet. Eat healthy. You know, eat less red meat. Don't eat fried foods. Eat more greens and, 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 um, and fruit. So we have to talk about those things so that we can try to help one another. Now, you're probably wondering, what can I do about this stress right now? So good. I'm glad you're asking because we all need to prioritize self-help. We have to prioritize it. But we also need to build our resilience and teach our children how to build their resilience. So the way that we do this is teaching them to communicate with us, to reach out, to share their pain. Allow us to listen as they're explaining what happened with that student in class who made them feel 
discriminated against, right? People want to feel heard and understood. And while doing this, sometimes it can trigger hormones that help to calm the nervous system, that helps to relieve stress. It really does help to talk to someone. And I'm talking about a family member. It hasn't gotten to the point yet where we have to involve a mental health professional. I'm talking about doing the things that you can do, that you can control, that you can provide for yourself before things escalate to the next level and you have to bring in a mental health professional. Try to communicate on a regular basis, communicate face-to-face with family members if they're not living in the home with you. Reach out to those people, to the people closest to you, your significant other, your family, your good friends. Look for support in your community as well. It could be your church. It could be your community center. It could be other like-minded people similar to you. Listen to others when they reach out to you as well. And, you know, one of the important things, too, is to embrace your ethnicity. I find that folks who struggle with being biracial, that they don't embrace it. And one key to overcoming that is to embrace who you are, love who you are. You have to develop a strong sense of your ethnic identity, embrace both sides, and take pride in who you are. The identity of each of us is 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 unique. It's important. And we share some of our identity with other folks as well. You should educate yourself on the history of your race. I've done, um, let's see, what is it called? African ancestry. Um, I found out that a part of me is from Sierra Leone and another part is from Gabon. And so I've been reading about Sierra Leone and Gabon and trying to understand my history and what the people are like in these different regions of Africa. I've been to Africa a couple of times. And so you got to do the research, try to do your DNA testing, try to research your family history. This is how you embrace your culture. And the last thing you want to do is to get angry when something is going on. No matter how much your anger is justified, expressing it will impair your judgment diminish your chances of being heard. And so someone on the outside looking in, let's say you're arguing with a racist, they don't know who the fool is. It's hard to tell if you're both behaving in the same fashion and they don't know that that person is a racist. But also muting or suppressing your anger will have a negative impact. So instead of being angry, you have to redirect that into other types of emotional energy. You want to try to diffuse it with humor You want to laugh, you want to smile, you want to talk about it, you want to process it. Don't allow folks to control you emotionally. That's giving them way too much control. Now, we're coming up on Thanksgiving. Yeah, 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 it's not a real holiday for us. We know what happened with the Indians and the pilgrims. But I'm going to say the the holiday of gratitude, and I'm saying this because we have to allow ourselves to feel gratitude and helping to manage our mental health and duress. Um, You got to allow yourself to feel hopeful. Acknowledge small signs of change. Acknowledge small moves in the right direction. Try to think of something positive every day. I don't care how small it is. Write down certain things in your journal. I talked to you about eating healthy, exercising, and you got to get enough sleep, man. Not sleeping is just so unhealthy for all of us. And you got to find ways to manage stress, consistent ways, whether it's going to be traveling, yoga, meditation, deep breathing, 
reading books, going outside, walking, going to the beach, looking for, you know, going to the water. You got to find ways to manage your stress. Do what works for you. I hope this conversation didn't trigger anyone. I just want you to know if you feel like you're the only one who's feeling stressed and or, or uneasy because of discrimination that could be occurring in your life or because of the racism that you've experienced, you're not alone. That's most of us. You are not alone. So find some folks who are like you and similar to you and process with them. Talk about what you're going through, what may have happened with you. Bounce it off someone. And remember, don't get angry. Don't get angry. And teach your children not to get angry. Find another way to react or to respond. Anger is not a healthy emotional response for any situation, for any situation. Although it's a, it, it is um, a normal part of our emotional spectrum, I say normal, but it can have adverse effects on us. So you don't want to stay angry. You have to try to diffuse your anger as quickly as possible and redirect your thinking so that you are no longer angry. You can be disappointed, but don't stay angry, man. So I hope this helped you guys. If you need anything else, if you're dealing with some racism or um, some special situation, please feel free to contact my office at 305-981-1700. And um, remember, brain love, smile, and be positive. It's the end of an episode. Thank you guys for joining me on my couch. It's been a pleasure. It's Dr. Delvina. Remember, every day you must have brain love. Balance. You can't have all work and no play, and you can't have all play and no work. Reframe. Reframe your negative thinking. Think positively. Avoid negative people. Inside, everything you need it's inside of you. Look inside yourself. Needs. Know your needs. Your needs come first, not everyone else's. Limitations. Limit your expectations of yourself. Ownership. Own your mistakes. Learn from them and move on. Vengeance is not yours. It's the Lord's. Express yourself. Every day, meaningful communication. Don't go to bed angry. And that's been my show, guys. Brain love. Mm-hmm.